As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. We're live. Oh, I see mine and I see about nine people waiting in the room and the audience is growing really quickly, which is fun. David Lombardi, Matt Barrows with you. New type of podcast here, emergency podcast a couple hours after Word officially came out that Debo Samuel has requested a trade away for the 49ers. Now, reportedly, this has been requested officially with the 49ers for for about a week, but nothing leaked out. Now the public knows. And now this whole situation is truly snowballed into something really interesting or annoying or whatever word you want to use, Matt, to describe it. But uh, where the Fred Warner and George Kittle negotiations didn't go, that's where the Debo Samuel negotiation has gone. And I guess there's not even a negotiation going on right now because according to some of these reports, Debo's not even talking to the 49ers, not even engaging. And I guess he's going to have to engage if uh, this is going to move forward in any way that involves him staying on the team moving forward. Yeah, and, and it's possible that the Kittle and the Warner negotiations did go here, or at least were rocky at the uh, outset, and and I think that they were. I mean, uh, Jack Becta, George Kittle's agent, has has said since his uh, his deal was finalized uh, that uh, you know uh, the the 49ers initial offer was was too low, way too low, like barely above the uh, the uh, you know the the tight end threshold, and the tight end had been a, a very depressed market, uh, and so they were not happy early on, but. Uh, you know, Kittle never said anything publicly. Kittle um, attended the off-season program. Remember, remember that was all uh, on Zoom because we were in the uh, in the uh, COVID uh, procedures at that point. Uh, and then eventually signed a uh, a much bigger deal right before training camp. And Warner did the same thing right before training camp. Uh, point being is that. That's sort of what negotiations are, isn't that business one hundred and one? Is that you start out with a a low offer and then uh, you know you you go back and forth and it eventually gets high. Um, the difference, obviously, is that Debo Samuel got very very upset, uh, scrubbed uh, the Forty ers from his social media, et cetera, et cetera, and has now asked for a trade. Uh, maybe you know it's it's not. Surprising, this guy is named after a uh, a bully in a movie. Uh, this is his disposition. He's confrontational. Uh, he's stubborn. 
Um, and uh, the 49ers are kind of experiencing in negotiations what makes Debo Samuel such a good player. I think it's obvious, David, that they're trying to kind of take the air out of all of this, take the energy out of it and kind of let things, uh, uh, you know, uh, die down a bit so that they can resume negotiations. Um, and I think it's also obvious that Debo's side of things is doing the opposite. They're agitating to get something done before the draft. Well, you know, what's really interesting to me, Matt, is the messaging that we've seen here. Eleven days ago, Debo Samuel's friend, close friend on Instagram, posted that if it ain't 25 million, we're not taking it. And Debo Samuel endorsed that post, which was a clear sign that this is about money for Debo Samuel. But the messaging today through some reporters who seem to have talked to Samuel or at least talked to his camp was that this is not about money, that this is about Debo Samuel not liking his usage with the 49ers. And to me, that's, you know, I, I went back and looked at some interviews not too long ago with Debo. He was proud of his usage as a wide back. And, you know, just from uh, an outsider's perspective, it's Debo Samuel's usage, his versatility, that has gotten him into position to, to potentially sign a huge deal. So uh, I keep on going back to the messaging that we saw 11 days ago, where his friend demanded 25 million a year on Instagram and Debo Samuel endorsed it. I think a lot of this usage stuff doesn't make a whole lot of sense because anybody who would potentially acquire Debo Samuel for a lot of money and a lot of draft capital, they're going to want him to be versatile for them too. It's, it's his main selling point, right? So to me, this usage stuff seems to be a little bit of a smokescreen throughout all of this. I, I firmly believe that at the end of the day, uh, money obviously is king here. It is the most important thing. But I do think that 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 disconnect that we see between the signaling toward the money and then the signaling toward the usage that in that disconnect, there's something that we don't quite know, right? There's a piece of information or multiple pieces of information that we don't quite have. And that alludes to what you were talking about. At some point, this became personal. Debo Samuel got upset. That's my speculation. We don't know what point that was, but if we're going to compare this to the Kittle and to the Warner negotiations, well, remember that George Kittle's agent, Jack Bechta, he called the 49ers first offer to Kittle the Valentine's Day massacre because it was it was such a team friendly offer. And obviously that led to contentious negotiations. Uh, Kittle never demanded a trade. But my inkling is that the 49ers initial offer or at least initial discussions might have been something that for one reason or, or the other set Debo Samuel off, which is why you've seen the disconnect in messaging over the past 11 days. Well, it's it's about money. I mean, yeah. uh, this is a contract negotiation. Uh, how can it be about anything but money? Um, so the question would be, how are money and usage related? And, um, you know, I, I don't know the answer to this. I can only make uh, make a guess. But, um, you know, uh, as we all know, Debo Samuel began the season as as, as a receiver. And remember, Brandon Ayuk uh, wasn't uh, the, the same receiver at the beginning of the season as he was at the end of the season. Remember, George Kittle was hurt at the beginning of the season. So Debo Samuel really carried this team as a receiver through the first eight games. And, and he was doing uh, great. He was targeted more than uh, Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams on a percentage basis. Uh, I forget what the numbers were, but he was leading the league in receiving yards 
Um, and then, uh, you know, midway through, they ran into issues at, at running back, injury issues, and they started using him more there. Well, when they did, his receiving numbers, as you would expect, um, went down a bit. And so um, I, I think one argument he could be making is that, well, you guys used me as a running back for big chunks of, of the season. That's affected my numbers. If I had been a, a receiver all year long in 2021, I might have uh, led the league in that category, and um, I'd be negotiating from you know a, a different spot right now. I'd, I'd have more strength, but I did what you wanted. I did it well, um, and, and now you're trying to kind of lowball me because of that. The other way it's related is that, frankly, you know, uh, playing a lot of running back is going to shorten your career. He's going to take more hits, and he did. We saw that. We saw that especially in the playoffs where he had to limp off the field three different times. Um, so he could also be arguing that, all right, listen, you guys are affecting my longevity, my earning potential over the course of my uh, career by playing me a lot at running back. So if you're going to do that, you're going to have to compensate me in a different way. Uh, so that may be why he uh, thinks that the numbers, and we don't, by the way, we don't know what the numbers are right now. We can only guess, but uh, I think it's a very educated guess to, to speculate that the numbers that the 49ers have put forth early on are, uh, are insulting to Debo Samuel. Um, and well, and as, as we both noted, that was the case with Kittle as well. I mean, they'll eventually get there, and I think that's what the 49ers are, are betting on uh, and hoping will happen is that you know by August 1 or whenever this deal gets finalized, they will get at a point where Debo Samuel, just like George Kittle before him, doesn't feel insulted by the offer. And, you know, this all brings up the, you know, interesting angle to this. How much will our analytics and advanced metrics used in these negotiations? George Kittle's agent, Jack Becta, after that contract, indicated that they were used a lot, that he was able to quantify what exactly George Kittle brought to the 49ers offense at multiple different positions. So he ended up shattering the ceiling for pay for tight ends and I think it's going to be really important for Tory Dandy Devo Samuel's agent to do that and I'm sure he's already trying to do that in this negotiation because you alluded to it the 49ers started playing Devo Samuel at running back more as the season progressed and because of that his raw receiving numbers aren't as high as they would have been had he continued staying almost exclusively at wideout but if you Start looking at some of the more advanced numbers like yards per route run. That's that's one that takes into account volume, right? Because it's only going to count every single route that he actually runs. So you're not just looking at the raw yardage total. Samuel finished behind only Cooper Cup. He was ahead of Devontae Adams. He was ahead of Justin Jefferson and he's ahead of Jamar Chase. But what makes this even more intriguing to me and more complicated, I'm sure, from a negotiation standpoint, is the fact that Debo Samuel was the second most efficient receiver in football this past year, behind only Cooper Cup, even though he had the highest drop rate in football. He dropped over 12% of his passes, 12 drops on the season, which was by far the most of any player in the NFL. Yet, somehow, some way, he was still the second most receive, uh, efficient receiver in football. And, you know, that might seem like a mathematical impossibility, but Debo did it because he he had the greatest season running after the catch that we've ever seen, that we've ever charted. Matt, he averaged 10.8 yards after the catch per reception. 10.8. I 
I mean, he nobody on record has been even close. Deshaun Jackson has the second best season on record back in 2010, and it's like eight yards per catch after reception. Samuel was at 10.8, so he just blew that away. So he got to the the same spot as your Devontae Adams, the Cooper Cup, those kind of guys, but through a completely different route. He he did it by knocking people's mouth guards out. And that leads right into what you're saying. How sustainable is that? And I'm sure that's a sticking point in some of these discussions. They're like, well, you got to this top receiver level, but you dropped a lot of passes doing it. And instead you had to run people over. You were a bulldozer to get there. And now we're entering new contractual territory, right? As far as negotiations go. And I think that's, <laughs> I think, you know, what happens here may not be replicated, you know, for years, maybe even decades, because we haven't seen a player play the receiver position like Debo Samuel. You talk about who's going to be the next Debo Samuel, but I think it's really clear that his skill set makes him, makes him a really rare breed. Yeah. Uh, we've talked a lot about Jack Becta and, and George Kittle. Uh, Becta, you know, going into those negotiations in 2020, referred to Kittle as a unicorn, uh, you know, a, a guy that really didn't exist uh, until George Kittle came, came around. And that's how he sort of negotiated that. Uh, Tory Dandy, who is uh, Debo Samuel's agent, can, can make the same argument. This guy is a rare breed. And, and I'm sure that's what this discussion is about. And you're absolutely right. Dandy's got a lot of information at his disposal. They all point to the same thing, that in 2021, Debo Samuel was the lifeblood of this team. I mean, uh, like I said, he was their best receiver through the first half of the season. He was their most explosive running back through the second half of the season. And he was sort of the heart and soul, uh, the pulse of the team in the playoffs. He had a fantastic year. Now, the 49ers will, will come back and say, oh, okay, well, you know, you want him to be paid like Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams has done this over – you know, the, the course of almost a decade, Debo Samuel had one good season. Um, you know, we're, we're, we can't pay him that type of wide receiver money. Uh, so, I mean, both teams have a point, and that's, this, is why, this is why you negotiate. And, and this is also why you shouldn't, and I know I'm, I'm, I'm coming down on the 49ers side right now. Um, yeah, you shouldn't pull this nuclear option right now okay? because you, you can get to, the correct place, the necessary place. Um, you know, the, the Kittle uh, contract uh, showed that. Um, and, and I think that uh, Debo Samuel deserves to be paid a lot of money for exactly what we've been discussing. He puts his body on the line like nobody else at his position. Um, and, and that's worth something. That, that needs to be worth something. His health has a value. Uh, so, um, you know, that's where we are. I mean, um, the good arguments be made on both sides. Uh, but uh, bottom line, I think everybody agrees that Debo Samuel deserves to be paid a lot. I think everybody agrees that he will be paid a lot. Uh, they, they just have to kind of go through this uh, kind of really silly song and dance, but something that every player goes through at some point in his career. Debo Samuel doesn't seem to have any uh, patience for it, however. Yeah, and and that's where this is diverged from what we saw with George Kittle and what we saw with Fred Warner. But still a lot of time left. It's only April, and the 49ers have indicated that they'd have to be blown away by a trade offer to let go of Devo Samuel. And considering the fact their offense was over four times efficient when he was on the field versus when he was off of the field this past year, 
uh, yeah, you do have to be blown away, I think, in that in that scenario, especially, I mean, you add the other variable. It's Trey Lance's second season, the sophomore year, the big developmental year for Trey Lance. In what world does the offense and the situation for Trey Lance get better without Debo Samuel yeah. on the team, given how heavily he was used? I mean, even the running back usage was critical to this offense. They don't make it to the NFC championship game. They don't have that spine at running back. So he was extremely important, probably more valuable for all those reasons, including the Trey Lance reason to the 49ers than any other team, unless another team steps up and proves that, oh, he's going to be more valuable to us, which would entail just, you know, I, I said it on the radio yesterday. It would, it would take an astronomical trade offer, I think, for the 49ers to consider letting Debo Samuel go. So that's where they're standing right now. I know that this feature is popular because listeners get to actually verbalize their questions. So we're going to go to some of the listeners right now. We're going to go to Robert Z. Robert, how's it going? Hey, can you all hear me? Yeah, we can. How's it going? Awesome. Doing good. Thanks for having me on. I guess my question is about how much of a nuclear option Debo has actually deployed here. I agree with you that it seems like it's about the money. And I'm wondering, is Debo just so insulted at this point that he won't come back, even if the 49ers offer him the kind of contract or something close to what he was looking for before? Or is this just sort of an escalation tactic to tell the 49ers, no, I'm serious, you got to pay me what I want or I'm going to ask out? Yeah, well, that's that's a great question. And that kind of makes us look behind the curtain to what we don't know yet. We don't know exactly how personal this got. So we're not sure how firm that line in the sand has been drawn by Debo Samuel. But, I mean, if you look at this from a rational actor perspective, then you would think that if something personal happened to fracture the relationship, that the personal connection that Debo Samuel has with the 49ers, I mean, he hangs out all the time in Kyle Shanahan's office. He was just happily saying that just a couple months ago. You would think that that personal relationship – can also mend whatever has been fractured, right? So from a rational perspective, um, you, you get both sides to sit down, start negotiating again. And the 49ers, because they value Debo Samuel, probably are willing to pay him. I mean, this 49ers regime has given out, what, five positional record contracts, Matt, since Lynch and Shanahan took over. That's the most in the league. They've, they've paid, they're willing to pay guys that they like. But if Debo Samuel is personally offended right now and isn't willing to sit down and negotiate, then uh, this is at an impasse moving forward. So I think Robert has a great question there. What do you think, Matt? Well, I mean, it's the question. I mean, but I I, I don't see how it could have gotten personal. I mean, you're just talking numbers at this point. It's, um, you know, he feels insulted by whatever the offer was. Um, But, um, you know, uh, it's it's just numbers being – uh, bandied about right now. He hasn't been dealing with Kyle Shanahan or John Lynch or Leonard Hankerson, the, the new wide receivers coach. So I, I agree. I, I feel like when, when those guys start to get into things, when uh, Shanahan calls up Debo Samuel, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's not irreparable. I mean, I don't think it is. We, we don't know really what, what's, 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 uh, what Debo Samuel's thinking, but I, I wouldn't think it would be. Um, he, he gets along great with everybody in the locker room. He gets along great with Shanahan. I don't know his relationship with Hankerson. I don't know. If, uh, and I can't imagine that it's, it's Rocky. Um, but um, you know, I, 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 I do think that 
uh, over time, things will get smoothed over. Uh, this is the best spot for Debo Samuel. It's a mutual uh, relationship. Um, he's not going to you know, have the success. Well, maybe in Kansas City he would. Uh, I, I won't say that. But uh, this, is, this is a spot where you know that he can be a top three receiver for the next uh, five seasons or so. Um, you know, most other places, that's a huge question mark. All right, we'll move on to Travis Q, who is next in our queue here. Travis, how's it going? Yeah, can you guys hear me okay? Yeah, we can. Travis, yeah, we are can. you at work? Oh, Travis, are you at work? Uh, no, that's my volume button. Sorry. <laughs> um, I, uh, my question was, is um, my brain, the first, like, easy fix to this is, you know, they could always just cut Jimmy G and pay Debo, right? But then I'm, my next thought on that is, well, is – partially the reason why Debo is used in such a versatile way because of Jimmy G's limitations. And maybe they see him with Trey Lance coming in and being able to throw downfield, and that's not necessarily Debo's strength. Will he be not as maybe as valuable as he was last year with a different quarterback with a different skill set? I would think that that's not uh, a factor for him. Um, well, let, let's, let's talk about the, the contract, first of all. Um, you know, the 49ers would have more cap room right now, obviously, if Jimmy Garoppolo were not on the uh, on the roster. But it's it's not affecting the negotiations. Remember, Samuel's under contract for this upcoming season, uh, and the 49ers can can draw that up in a number of ways. Uh, you know, John Lynch even said at the owners' meeting that they could draw it up in a way that would actually reduce Samuel's cap hit for this season. Uh, and uh, the bulk of it obviously would come in, in future seasons when the, the salary cap is supposed to go up. I would think that the prospect of uh, Trey Lance taking over for Jimmy Garoppolo is exciting for uh, uh, Debo Samuel. Uh, remember, last year going into training camp, Debo Samuel's um, theme was that he wanted to be more of a, of a deep ball guy. He felt like that was a missing element that he's faster, he's a more complete receiver than um, he was given credit for his first two seasons. And he looked that way in, in training camp and early in the season. Remember he had that long uh, touchdown uh, uh, bomb from Garoppolo against the Lions in week one. Th- this is one of Lance's strengths. He's uh, going to stretch the field. He's going to target guys downfield more so than Garoppolo, who's got a limited arm would do now is he going to have uh, Garoppolo's success with the with the short uh, intermediate over the middle stuff uh, I, I don't know uh, probably not right away but uh, I, I think uh, you know from what uh, the Brandon Ayuk's the Debo Samuels the George Kittle saw of Trey Lance in practices uh, all last season I would my guess is that they're all very excited about the prospect of working with him in the future. You know, what's interesting to me is that I think that Brandon Ayuk is a better man beater as far as just standard wide out beating man coverage techniques go. And, and I think the 49ers deploy him in that fashion. Um, obviously we talk about Debo Samuel's drop, right? He, he doesn't have the best hands of, of a typical number one wide out, but he makes up for it in other ways. But I think that you're absolutely right. I think that Debo Samuel has shown the ability to win when 
the play develops a little bit further down the field. We, we all remember that touchdown against the Texans in week 17 when Trey Lance uncorked that longer pass. So, I mean, Debo Samuel is, is a, you know, I don't want to say complete player. Obviously he has some weaknesses, but he's an all around player. He could contribute in multiple different ways, but but that short game to me, it's not just the Garoppolo Lance question. We need to view Samuel within the context of what Shanahan wants to run offensively and what Shanahan wants to run offensively might change between quarterbacks a little bit, but the fundamentals pillar of this offense is always going to be the run game. And there is going to be a short passing game involved. That's why Kyle Shanahan went out and picked Trey Lance because he knew that he could mold him into the play action QB drop back under center timing based QB that, 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 that could fit into this offense. He didn't want to get somebody who's just going to run the spread the whole time and, and air it out. Shanahan likes that timing game underneath and Trey Lance's arm and his athleticism can give the 49ers yet another dimension beyond that, but you have to be able to run the bread and butter. And that's where Debo Samuel was so effective this past year, right underneath. And then also we can't discount how important it was that he did play running back for the 49ers because of how important that is to Kyle Shanahan's offense. This team, I mean, it's a common misconception that anybody can plug in and deliver running back at an adequate level for the 49ers and for Shanahan. Simply not true. I still remember that game against the Packers in 2020. Thursday night football, empty Levi Stadium. I think it was Jamichael Hasty and Austin Walter were the 49ers running backs, and, and it didn't go well, right? And they've had so many injuries to that running back position, and they were about to be thrown into another terrible spot this past year due to those injuries until Debo Samuel came in and played at that running back spot. So he's a unique player, unique versatility, and kind of that all-around chess piece that fits into whatever Kyle Shanahan needs to do. And I think that's going to remain true even moving past Jimmy Garoppolo into Trey Lance being this quarterback more often. All right, Christopher T is next. Chris, how's it going? Hey, hello. Hey. Hey, what's up, guys? How's it going? I appreciate you having me on. For sure. Uh, so um, in my eyes, I don't really see it as a, a money thing because his contract, you know, it, it would be extended next year and Garoppolo's money is just for this year as well. And pretty much with the reports that's coming now, it seems like it has to do with more so him not wanting to play. Like, I think it's like the longevity of his career. Like he's worried about playing running back. So how, how do we like fix that problem with management? Like, if he doesn't want to play running back and just wants to be a receiver but wants to be paid as both, like, where's the happy medium? That's that's really – I think that's where you run into the catch-22 because I think that Debo Samuel's versatility is what has earned him a spot at the table for something that's close to a record-setting payday. But then if all of a sudden you start constraining that versatility, is he worth all the money – that you might pay him, right? Uh, it, that that it's really hard to answer that question for me. Um, it's a absolutely legitimate one, though. But uh, Matt, what do you think? You you raise the guarantees on the deal? I mean, at the end of the day, money is going to talk. At the end of the day, you you know, Debo Samuel believes that his versatility and the fact that he is putting his body through all this puts his worth at a higher level. If his argument is that his career might be shortened because of it, then the 49ers can come back and say, okay, we'll compensate you for that by uh, offering even more right now. But obviously at some point there's going to be a limit there. It's just a really interesting question to me because I think it's kind of a 
circular thing, right, Matt, where the versatility has earned Debo Samuel this much of a negotiating option, but it's also the one thing that he cited today through some of those reports that he doesn't like as far as the usage goes. Well, I think the happy medium is that you just don't play him at running back as much as you did in, in 2021. I mean, he, he got 10 carries a game in those first two playoff games, and I think seven in the last one against the Rams. And and the reason why was because Raheem Mostert got hurt uh, a couple of plays into the season. Uh, Trey Sermon wasn't ready for, you know, whatever reason. Um uh, Jeff Wilson was was coming back from uh, his his freak spring uh, knee injury. Uh, I, I think the one of the happy mediums is that the 49ers need to bulk up more at running back so that you don't have to rely on Debo Samuel to be a quasi running back uh, to the extent that he was. And um, you know the 49ers have looked at a lot of running backs in this draft. Um, just about all of the ones that uh, you you might expect to be drafted in rounds two or three have come through Santa Clara at some point. So they're going to you know, uh, add a body to that. I think they're going to hope that Trey Sermon um, you know, bounces back after a very quiet rookie year. Uh, Elijah Mitchell obviously is going to be a big part of the mix. Uh, so, you know, uh, the, the, the answer to Christopher's question is, they're going to use Debo Samuel as a running back, but sprinkle him in uh, maybe four times a game instead of 10. Uh, and, and I think that would, uh, that would probably satisfy everybody. I, I mean, I, I got the sense that Debo Samuel liked being a running back. Yeah. Um, I, I, what I, what I don't think is that he, he doesn't like being considered a running back when it comes to contract negotiations. I think that's the, that's the, the, the nuance here that uh, some of the national reporters might be missing. Because the, the way that he plays receiver, and this is not to disparage Devo Samuel, I think it's awesome when, my, when mouth guards go flying, but the way that he plays receiver, it's not like he's playing contact-free football. Again, 11 yards after the catch per reception this year, and a lot of that came through heavy contact. So he grabs that ball in the open field on some of these short passes, and you know, for, for all health purposes, for bruising purposes, he, he might as well be a running back out there in, in the field, right? So even if you cut the carries down from 10 to 4, to, to me that seems like a little bit more of a symbolic gesture because the Debo Samuel that you, you theoretically pay for is, is the guy that, that is punishing defenders, that is setting that physical tone, right? That, 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 that is going out there and imposing as well. That's the bully style of play that we talk about with Debo Samuel. So, so to me, it's impossible to, you know, kind of extract the physicality from his game as far as the usage goes, because that's, that, that is Debo Samuel. That's in his DNA. He's never going to be your, you know, your silky smooth receiver who's avoiding contact, you know, who's playing basketball on grass. I mean, this is a real football player. This is a throwback. And, you know, if it, I, to me, I think any kind of change in that, regard would be more symbolic than anything, but, but maybe you're right. Maybe that is what Debo Samuel wants. I mean, um, I just think that it's, you know, you know, look at, look at somebody like Anquan Bolden. Uh, he played a very physical style um, and then had a very long career. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's certainly possible to do. Um, I, I, I just, like I said, I, I think the issue is more of, you know, uh, having to negotiate a contract 
after a season in which, let's face it, Debo, Debo Samuel's uh, receiving numbers were affected by uh, how much he, that he was used at, uh, at running back. So um, I, I think that's part of what's, uh, you know, uh, sticking in the ointment right now. And I, I think that's sort of this, this usage question that came up today. Um, but uh, I, I think you're absolutely right. Now, this is what makes Debo Samuel Debo Samuel. This is what gives him the nickname Debo. I mean, this is what you're getting. This is what makes him great. So I, I don't think that uh, they, they want him to be any less physical or that he wants to be any less physical. I think it's about, you know, uh, negotiating a contract for um, you know, him being a receiver, not a receiver slash running back. And, and, you know, if there is one tangible difference in the physicality, just, just so I cross all my T's and dot all my I's here, if you're lining up in the backfield, you're, you're probably more likely to be absorbing contact from defensive linemen and Mike linebackers. And if you're out on the perimeter, you're probably more likely, even if you are a really physical player like Samuel, to be working against the A.J. Terrells of the world, right? That, that was the, the, the Falcons defensive back who got his mouth guard knocked off. So, yeah, you're, you know, I'm, I'm sure you, you run into everybody at some point, no matter what position you're at. Football's a chaotic sport, but in general, uh, running back's career is probably shorter because you're, you're running into the 300 pounders a little bit more often. All right, let's go to Jesse T. Jesse, how's it going? Uh, yeah. Hey, thanks, guys. Um, my question is, I guess, primarily about like the leverage in this situation. Because correct me if I'm wrong, but it's it seems like the um seems like the Niners hold a lot of the leverage here. Like Debo's on contract for this year. You know, he I'm assuming he doesn't want to sit out. He'd lose a bunch of money. You know, they could tag him once, maybe even twice. Um, and I saw a report that you know the Niners have known about this trade request for like a week or more so the the request coming public now seems like a ploy from you know Debo and the agent to kind of apply some public pressure in a situation that like they realistically don't have the upper hand you know in terms of leverage am I am I reading that situation correctly I think you are I mean um look, look at the timing of it right before the draft and, uh, you, know, uh, you know, one thing that I've noted is that, you know, 49ers haven't really brought in any first round guys. So if they were actively kind of taking part in trade discussions with teams, you would think that they w- would get a first round pick out of it. Um, and if they were preparing to pick in the first round, they'd have some of these draft guys come through. And that just hasn't happened. So, I mean, from the 49ers standpoint, like I said, I think they're just trying to take all of the energy, all of the emotion out of the situation. They're trying to play it really cool and hope that um, it uh, things die down and uh, negotiations can resume. On the other side of things, um, you know, it's it's about agitation and making things uncomfortable and uh, getting the 49ers to react in a way that they haven't been able to, to do or they haven't been willing to do to this point. So uh, I think the timing is very interesting. I think it's uh, absolutely no coincidence that it's happening now, 10 days before the draft. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, I frankly don't think that anything is going to happen in the next 10 days as far as it but it's it's certainly possible i didn't think that they were going to trade DeForest buckner either and uh here we are so um anything is possible 
Yeah, anything is possible. You know, every man is going to have his price, right? And I think that was the case with DeForest Buckner. Once the 49ers saw that they're going to be able to get a pick in the upper half of the first round, uh, it you know, in exchange for DeForest Buckner, it, it became something that they were really interested in doing. So it's a question of when it comes to, you know, the 49ers reviewing potential trade proposals is a question of is something going to come in that's going to absolutely blow them away we matt and i just were working on a article for the athletic where it, it might even be up right now i'm not sure but we'll check in a second and you all should check in a second since you're all loyal subscribers but we were basically engaging with the other teams beat writers teams that might be interested in trading for debo samuel and those beat writers sent us trade proposals you know, they said, okay, the Packers sent their first and second round pick, and then the Jets sent something else. And it, it seemed that the, the teams were lowballing us, Matt. I was I was a little disappointed, but I guess that's how negotiations go. Maybe that's how it's going between well, the 49ers and Devo Samuel. <laughs> that's just it. I mean, you didn't you didn't scrub their names from your social media, did you? Uh, <laughs> but, but that you know, that's 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 where they would begin, and uh, you you would negotiate, and you'd eventually reach a spot that uh you know uh both both sides are comfortable with um i would think that you know so some of the uh, the offers we got didn't include any first round picks and i would think that after the season that that samuel had given his age um that a first round pick would would have to be part of the uh of the deal um and the other part is is, is that this is uh considered a good draft for wide receivers um, it's considered a, a, a very deep draft at the position. It's not considered uh, to be top heavy or to have any like Jamar Chase type of guys at the very top. So, um, you know, that, that works uh, two ways. One is that none of these teams can use their first round pick and expect to get a Jamar Chase or a Debo Samuel in it. There just isn't that type of player available this year. Um, and then the other part of that is that e- even if the 49ers had um, a first round pick, it's hard to see them, you know, finding a guy that you know, certainly is not going to do what Debo Samuel does. Like we said, he's he's a he's a unicorn, but it'd be it'd be hard for them to even find a guy that you would expect uh, would be the uh, the day one starter, I think, unless it's a, a, a quite high first round pick. But, um, you know. The, the best spot to be in uh, at, at wide receiver uh, in this draft is, you know, second, third, and fourth round. That, that's where the value is at that position. And that's where the 49ers already have uh, three selections. All right, let's move on to a couple more here before we wrap this up. We'll probably try to go for about an hour with this show. I think we've been, what, on for 45 minutes to to about 50 minutes. So a few more questions here. We're going to bring Anthony O into the fold. Anthony, how are you? Um, I'm good. How are you guys? Doing great, man. All right. So um, I got uh, two things. Um, back to the leverage thing. I think the 49ers hold all the leverage, which is why I'm actually not worried about this. And I, I actually think he's going to stay. And then um, second of all, I just think that um, – you know, him being a him being a wide back and saying he was a wide back and him embracing it is like it's weird because all of a sudden he was embracing it and you know, saying, you know, I love it and you know, it's great. And he coined the term. 
And now he's going back on it and saying that, you know, he doesn't want to be used that way. To me, I think, honestly, that he wants to do that. But his agent was like, hold on, hold on. Since you got to understand him, uh, DK and Brown share the same agent. So I think it was more like he was waiting to see what DK and Brown was going to get. And then he was going to say, okay, well, they got what they got. If they say DK gets $28 million and Brown gets $29 million, and he'll be like, well, now I want $30 million. So I just think it's like a mix of like all of those things because it just doesn't make sense for him to say that and then to go back and say, well, you know, I don't want to be used that way. And I just think the Niners just hold all the levers. Like the guy said before, we could – Frank, we could, uh, you know, let him sit. $40,000 a week, you know, it's $200,000 a month if he decides to sit out. You know, nobody wants to lose that type of money, especially since he's on his rookie contract. And then, you know, they can we can franchise him. And if somebody wants to get him, we get two first-round picks for that in next year's draft. So I just don't understand where all this is coming from. It just doesn't make sense. And like you guys said, it's got to be something missing that we don't know. But, you know, I just want to get you guys' thoughts on that. Oh, Anthony, th- those are all great thoughts. I think that you packaged it together beautifully there because I think there are multiple forces at play. And like you said, stuff doesn't make sense. Well, one of the other things that doesn't make sense I brought up at the start of the show, and that's the fact that 11 days ago we saw a definite financial request from Debo Samuel's friend and Debo Samuel endorsed it on Instagram, the $25 million comment. And now all of a sudden all the messaging seems to be more agent driven and it's about usage and all this and all that. But obviously we're, we're not fooled here. We know that we know that once money is spoken of once, it's, it's <laughs> not, not going away in this situation. So I that, think that, I think that you, you absolutely have a good point about some of the mixed messaging and the Tory Dandy connection cannot be discounted here. That's the representative for Debo Samuel, for AJ Brown, and for DK Metcalf. And as soon as John Lynch brought that up to me at the at the uh, NFL Combine, uh, when we were talking about Debo Samuel, we had a little meeting there with the with the reporters, and I, I just thought, how the hell is this going to work? How is one agent going to represent these three wide receivers who are all in line to, to make huge contracts? And, you know, I think John Lynch was a little concerned about how it would work because he said, I, you know, based on the readings that we're getting from Debo Samuel's camp, I don't think he wants to sign first. I think he wants to wait for Metcalf and A.J. Brown to sign because each of these deals is probably going to be subsequently more valuable. And obviously he wants the most valuable one. And if A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf are saying the same thing, then you could see how nothing's going to happen because it just turns into a gigantic game of chicken and they're all being represented by the same agent. So there are a lot of exceptional forces at play here from the wide back stuff that Debo Samuel was once really excited about to, to, you know, all of a sudden not too excited about to the agent representing all three players here at once. Uh, and it's created kind of the perfect storm. And, and I think, Matt, the only way that we can look at this is holistically the way that Anthony just described. Well, and maybe that starts to explain the timing of it all. I mean, you, you get a perfect storm. You get Debo Samuel agitating. You get all of this media attention right now. And you get the 49ers to blink. 
and you get them to pay Debo Samuel a huge, huge number, well, that benefits all of Tory Dandy's other clients. So, um, you know, maybe uh, maybe we we've hit the uh, the the root of it right now. Um, in terms of leverage, let let's say that this plays out. Debo Samuel doesn't show up to the the first mandatory event, which is the uh, the mid June mini camp. He doesn't show up to training camp in August, and he misses the season. Um, by sitting out the season, he would it would mean that he doesn't accrue a fourth year, and so that would mean that he's not an unrestricted free agent at the end of the 2022 season. Uh, he'd be re- restricted, which he'd probably still get a lot of really great offers, uh, but he wouldn't quite have the freedom uh, that he would have as an unrestricted free agent. So uh, he's not just missing out on his 2022 salary. He's missing out on becoming an unrestricted free agent uh, in 2023, which uh, is what all these guys want. So, um, yeah, I, I think uh, both of the the readers slash callers are correct in that the 49ers do have the leverage he signed for uh, the upcoming season, and that uh, that brings with it leverage. Yeah, I mean, and that's important to remember in the large picture of things. Debo Samuel is rightfully, it's fully within his rights after the third year to ask for a pay raise, but he's asking for a pay raise a year early. So it's not like unrestricted free agencies right around the corner, which makes this situation a little bit different than some of the other contractual situations that we were talking about in March, right? And that's why Fred Warner and George Kittle didn't sign their contracts until right before training camp, because training camp was the first harder, firmer deadline in in these negotiations with those players still under contract for the other year. And the new CBA now, as you said, Matt, makes it, makes it tough because you, you don't pick up that accrued year if you don't show up to training camp. You could, you could stage a hold in, which is what TJ Watt did last year. So you show up to training camp, but don't participate in on-field activities to make sure that you still get the clock ticking on that accrued year so that you're still moving toward unrestricted free agency. But at the end of the day, the rules are definitely set up to not be in the favor of players on rookie deals. And Debo Samuel is still on a rookie deal. All right, why don't we take one more? Cassian C. Cassian, how's it going? Hey, good. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Doing great. Um, I'm wondering, uh, you guys kind of got into the speculation side of things a little bit in talking to uh, beat writers uh, for other teams. And we've been seeing uh, rumors about, you know, the Jets being interested, the Packers. And uh, one AFC team I haven't seen mentioned that I thought would be at the front of the line uh, is Atlanta. You know, it's been a long time since they had Julio Jones and Mohamed Sanu, and, you know, they're not going to have Calvin Ridley this year. I'm just uh, wondering if you guys heard anything about Atlanta. Are you guys surprised they're not being mentioned? That came to mind immediately um, as far as a, a DLC nation or Carolina and Atlanta, probably because, um, you know, they are bereft of uh, receivers and they're sort of in the same region where he grew up. Uh, he grew up in I think uh, Spartanburg, South Carolina, which is not too far from Charlotte. Uh, so it would make sense from that standpoint. I don't think that the 49ers would ever want to uh, trade him in the conference. Uh, you know, one of the beat writers who was uh, submitting uh, offers uh, is uh, Matt Schneidman, who covers the Packers for the Athletic. <laughs> I just don't think that there's 
anyway, no matter what he offered, that uh, the 49ers would let him go to, to Green Bay, a team that they expect to be competing against uh, to, for the right to go to the Super Bowl in coming years. So uh, to a lesser extent, I would say that that's, uh, that's the same for the Eagles, uh, the Panthers, and the, the Falcons because they're all NFC teams. And, you know, we all know who coaches the Jets, right? And we all know that Debo Samuel is popular in that building due to the fact that Robert Sala and his staff and Michael LaFleur are all, all over there. And it just so happens that the Jets have a lot of disposable draft capital. I believe they have picks number four and number 10, and they're in the AFC. They're not in the NFC. So I think if you're looking at somebody who might be willing to blow the 49ers socks off with an offer, if, if the 49ers do get sick of this, if they decide, hey, yeah, we, we, we will actually look at some offers, and but only take ones that are absolutely serious. Uh, I think the Jets on paper seem like a, you know an, an ideal partner here. But I, I think it's also important to zoom out and emphasize that at least from the way that the 49ers are thinking about this right now, uh, we're not near that yet. You know, I don't think that a trade request should be held equal to an actual player departure and an actual trade. It's, it's going to take two to tango in this kind of situation. And based on everything we've heard so far, Matt, the, the, the 49ers are trying to let the air out of this situation. They want to defuse this situation because I still think that they believe that cooler heads will prevail. I do too. I don't. I don't think that there's anything outside of um, the, the front office, the kind of the negotiating wing of the team that is preventing this from happening. Like we've said, um, he's got a great relationship with uh, the rest of the players on the team, great relationship with the coaches, a great relationship with the general manager. Right now, his his issues with with Pragmarate, who's the the contract negotiator. He, well, Pragmarate doesn't really have any bearing on the day to day. Uh, runnings of of a football team, the, the football side of things. So uh, once you know they get over that, um, you know there, there's not there's nothing hindering it. Um, now the fact that Debo Samuel may have gotten death threats and other insults from 49ers fans, uh, that's that's your now you're starting to get into the kind of personal side of things. But um, I think that that can be. Uh, dismissed as uh, emotions as well, eventually, if, if the numbers are all correct. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's, you know, stuff is more raw in the moment, right? So if you're seeing something on social media and somebody, you know, saying something that you don't you don't like, then you're, you're going to be very, very upset in the moment. I'm sure it's happened to all of us. And then you move forward a little bit and it's a little bit further in the rearview mirror. And, you know, I'd, I would also offer that just given the way that human emotions work, the financial aspect is often taken personally. You know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of the listeners can relate to this. You show up and you ask for a raise or your company tells you that you're not worth as much as you think you are. I mean, th that, that can strike you inside, right? That's, that's kind of a gut punch. And that's it. We can talk all we want you know, being separated from this about how, oh, this is money and then that's the personal stuff. But I think when you're embroiled in it, um, especially if you're, you know, an athlete who has to put his body on the line the way that Debo Samuel does, he's obviously not afraid to hit people. It's a wild, chaotic sport. And the 49ers come and start talking about 
a number for a contract in terms of APY that's a lot lower than than what you had envisioned. Um, I don't think it's too far fetched to say that that maybe that you know at least in Debo Samuel's mind could have become personal. But that's also important to emphasize because over time, when people talk, when you know his relationship with Kyle Shanahan might be utilized, when his relationship with John Lynch might be utilized. What might have stung and been more personal in the moment might turn into a more rational discussion moving forward. And, you know, I would have to say, Matt, that that's that's probably the way that the 49ers hope that the long term plays out in this situation. Oh, yeah, that's definitely what they're hoping. Uh, the, the question is whether, you know, in Debo Samuel's mind, this has just become irreparable. And I don't think I mean, it definitely shouldn't be. Uh, but, you know, I can't get inside his head. And um uh, we don't know whether there's just a, a, a line, a Rubicon that's been uh, crossed that uh, isn't able to be bridged again. Um, I hope that's not the case, because I think if there's a, a theme of our conversation today, it's that this is a really symbiotic relationship. Um, Debo Samuel really needs the 49ers, and uh, they obviously really need him. Um, and I, I'm not sure uh, there are many places that he can go. Uh, the Jets, Houston, where he would be the receiver uh, that he is in San Francisco. I I think you summarized it perfectly. There's going to be a faction of people that are yelling, Debo needs the 49ers, they don't need him. And then there's going to be a faction of people yelling, the 49ers need Debo, he doesn't need them. And both sides are way too far off to their respective extremes to capture this situation. Fully. And the truth of the matter is the 49ers need Debo Samuel and Debo Samuel needs the 49ers. Now, is that an equal 50-50 split? Probably not. You can argue that uh, 60% of the need belongs to the 49ers or 60% of the need belongs to Debo Samuel. But that's why you have a contract negotiation, because you find that middle ground and you figure out where that split is. And then you find a deal that's fair to, to both sides. And that's what the 49ers are trying to return to now. They're trying to get Debo Samuel to come back to the table. Anyway, we, we just officially hit the hour mark. So that was the goal here. First time Matt and I have uh, done one of these together. I know we did a, a bigger one ahead of the NFC championship game, but it seemed that we had a lot of people on and there still are over 300 people on. So this has been fun. Sorry that we couldn't get to all of your questions. Next time we do one, we'll probably jump into the questions a little bit sooner, but we're just getting used to the interface want to thank everybody for joining. We'll have, uh, I think, a podcast copy of this available and up at some point soon. So be sure to stay tuned to The Athletic. Thank you all for subscribing. We really appreciate you. And make sure you join the next live room because I'm sure that there will be no shortage of drama moving forward in this situation and others for the 49ers. So we'll be sure to have another one. Thanks, guys.